A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. All in Wanakee. When asked to name his favorite family members, he asks if the animals in the barn count. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. 5.05 on the clock. Good morning to you. I'm Josh Scramlin, and the calendar says August 28th, 2020. We are rounding out a very hot and humid week here in America's Dairyland. I'll be speaking with Dr. Jennifer Van Oss about heat stress within dairy cattle. That's just moments ahead. Hey, also, it's another Century Farm Friday here on the Midwest Farm Report. At 5.35, we're going to highlight another Century Farm and Home Award winner. And then also... Is there a way to save energy and, more importantly, save money on your operation? There certainly is, and Pam Yonke is going to have that before 6 a.m. Thanks for being along with us this morning, and more agribusiness news is straight ahead. Sign up for daily agriculture updates by joining our email list. Head to MidwestFarmReport.com, enter your email address, and we'll handle the rest. More farm news straight ahead. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Are you paying too much for health insurance? Rural Mutual Insurance can help you find the best options for individual group, vision, dental, and Medicare. Call your local Rural Mutual agent to see how you can save. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. You know, I feel pretty privileged to be able to work in an air-conditioned building when I'm spending my time in La Crosse from the western end of the world's longest barn. This is Caitlin Riley. But on those weekends when I'm back home on the farm, especially recently, it's hard not to complain when we're in that sweltering heat. And a lot of the extra work that goes into our care also goes into making sure our livestock aren't overstressed. And Josh, you had the opportunity to chat with some of the experts about what impacts this can have, even though we're tiptoeing into the fall months. Uh, yeah, Caitlin, I kind of thought we were in the clear there for a little bit. We always said that this was going to be the home stretch. It's the dog days of summer, and it's certainly living up to the expectations. It's Josh Scramlin here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And like you said, out on the farm, things get real hot. So it's real simple. I spoke with Jennifer Van Oss. She's in the Department of Dairy Science at UW-Madison. And she says that if you're hot, especially this week where we see that it's going to hit 90 just about every single day, chances are your dairy cattle are hot and that can lead to decreased milk production. It can have some psychological effects. And before we got started, I said to her, uh, you know, we, we throw around the word or the term heat stress, but what exactly does heat stress mean just so we're all on the same page? So keeping in mind that my title is that I'm an extension specialist in animal welfare, I do have to put the caveat out there that my interpretation of heat stress differs than what some other experts would use. And that's because I'm coming from this perspective of trying to make sure that the animals have the highest quality of life. So it's not only about production and it's not only about heat exchange from an engineering type perspective. So for me, heat stress actually begins when the animal begins experiencing subjective discomfort and begins to show natural signs of attempting to cope with the heat because cattle have evolved a number of physiological and behavioral strategies to try to reduce their heat stress. 
But when those are unsuccessful, it can then escalate into more severe heat stress that then impacts productivity and fertility. When talking with some of the dairymen here around Wisconsin, what I have gathered is that one of the biggest mistakes producers make is that they don't really realize that heat stress is starting and then it's too late by the time they can do anything about it. Yeah, and that's a great point. I'm glad you brought it up because a lot of times people use environmental indicators, and those can be a really handy rule of thumb. Like this week, we know the weather is going to be quite hot during the day, and that at night it won't cool down quite enough to allow cows to dissipate heat. But I'm glad you asked about the signs that cows show because I think that's the most important thing to look out for because different farms have different management, and even within the same farm, different cows can respond in different ways. So signs to look out for, some of the early signs would be actually sweating. So cows do sweat, not as efficiently as horses, but that is a way for them to try to evaporate heat. But one of the most conspicuous signs is panting. So this is actually a later sign of more severe heat stress, but once you see panting, you know it's really time to intervene. So when cows are panting, they'll be breathing heavily with perhaps their tongues out, their mouths open, or they'll be drooling or some combination of those signs. So we want to look for earlier signs before you see panting ideally. So what you'll see is cows showing elevated respiration rates. So as they're breathing and taking a breath in and out, that's one full breath. And once you have cows breathing at 60 breaths per minute or faster, that's a sign that heat stress is starting to occur. So I like 60 because, first of all, it's supported by the research. It's not a magic number, but it's also easy to count because if you count one 1,000 and you have cows that are breathing faster than that, then you know that that's probably a good sign that you need to provide them some assistance. And cows show other behavioral responses. So you'll see them drinking more water, bunching around the water trough, bunching away from the side or the end walls of the barn because this reflects their natural shade-seeking behavior. And you'll also see lower feed intake. So cows will eat less and they'll shift some of their eating behavior towards the nighttime when it's cooler. And you'll also see increased standing and fewer cows lying down. And that's an important concern because in addition to discomfort of heat stress, now they're experiencing discomfort because they're unable to express their natural resting behavior. Yeah, we'll talk combating heat stress in a second, but I kind of want to dial it back and talk about the direct impact it has not only on the animal itself, but then milk production because heat stress, it drastically brings down a cow's milk production, does it not? Yeah, so it's been very well documented that production losses are a natural consequence of heat stress, and this happens for a couple of reasons. So it's unfortunate for the dairy operation, but it's adaptive for the cow. So for the cow, she's constantly producing body heat, and ruminal fermentation as part of digestion produces a lot of heat. And then with lactation, that's also a very energy-intensive process. So when cows are lactating, they produce even more body heat. And so this drop in milk production occurs as part of this cascade of events, beginning with heat stress. So to try to regulate her internal body temperature, a cow will consume less feed so that she then produces less body heat. And that's, that accounts for about half of the loss in milk production. But there are other physiological consequences that also cause milk production to drop. And so it's an unfortunate side effect of the cow trying to maintain a normal core body temperature. I'm talking with Dr. Jennifer Van Oss. She is an assistant professor and extension specialist in animal welfare at UW-Madison. Dr. Van Oss, two-part question. First part, what is too hot for dairy cattle? And part two, what is the ideal temperature for dairy cattle? Yeah, that's a good question. And the answer is that it really depends because as I alluded to earlier, um, the environmental 
conditions are a good proxy for anticipating heat stress. So looking at the temperatures that we're going to experience this week, we know that we're in this warning zone. And oftentimes we refer to what's called temperature humidity index or THI. And that accounts for the fact that not only the air temperature, but also the relative humidity affects the cow's ability to cope with heat. And then if you're working in a system such as pasture or grazing environment where cows are exposed to the sun, then solar radiation also matters as well. And so commonly people have used a THI threshold of 72 to indicate heat stress, although that threshold has since been lowered to 68 based on newer research. But the caveat is that that's a break point where milk production losses have been seen on average. So that means sometimes they're seen sooner, sometimes they're seen later. But that doesn't mean that that's when cows experience heat stress. So they can experience the discomfort and animal welfare impacts of heat stress even at lower temperature humidity indexes. And so when we're talking about ambient temperature, that's one factor, but if it's gonna be both hot and humid, that compounds the heat stress. And so going into this week, knowing it's going to be hot, it is a really good idea to make sure that your cooling systems are working. And then to also keep an eye on your cows because it may be that your cooling system needs some adjustments to make sure it's really helping your cows cope sufficiently. So what about calf care during this type of heat? Because I have to assume it's the same approach, but you're dealing with uh, something very different. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked about calves. A lot of times people really focus on their lactating animals, which makes sense because they're the money makers at this time, whereas the calves are the future of your herd. And calves, just like adult cows, can experience negative animal welfare consequences with heat stress, but there's just been less research focused on them, but there's been more and more, including in my lab and elsewhere, such as the University of Florida. And what they found recently was that there is a THI breakpoint for calves at around 64 THI, where they show changes in their thermoregulatory responses, such as respiration rate or skin surface temperature. So yes, calves do show the same kinds of signs with heat stress, and it is something we need to be concerned about because the evidence is showing that there's these multi-generational effects where heat stress isn't just an immediate concern, but it can have this cascade affecting their later life productivity and even future generations. So with calves, one important consideration is shade. So if they're not housed in a calf barn and they're out in hutches, depending on the type of hutch you have, you could either be providing shade, so keeping calves from gaining heat from solar radiation, or you could inadvertently create a greenhouse effect where even though the calf is under the shelter of the hutch, they're actually gaining even more heat under there. So it is advisable to provide additional shade over the hutch if you can, either in the form of trees or a shade cloth that blocks at least 80% of UV light. In addition to that, we found in a study last summer here in Wisconsin that you can retrofit your hutches using a ventilation kit, which provides additional airflow, and that that makes a really big difference in the calves' respiration rate. So you're giving them a boost and helping them cope. And we also looked at the calves' behavior and found that they preferred to spend time in the hutches where there was that additional ventilation window. So where you still need to do more research on calves, but there's more and more evidence that it's really beneficial to cool them as well. All right. Well, that's the perfect segue because at this point, as the week continues to wind on and it it is uh, hotter than sin out there right now, what are some of the easy tips that you guys at at, uh, Extension have come up with for producers to keep their cattle cool? 
Great question, and I'm, I'm glad you raised that because right now at UW-Madison Extension, we are publishing a series of fact sheets on heat stress in both dairy cows and actually the humans who work with them, too. So we'll have some information about nutritional strategies, facilities, caveats for animal handling, et cetera, so keep your eye out for those. And in terms of cooling strategies, I would reiterate that the number one best defense is shade. So here in Wisconsin, most of the time, that's a given if you're housing your cows in a barn. If you are pasturing, it is, again, important to provide cows with some source of shade, whether that's when you bring them in for milking or if you can provide trees or some other shade structures, that's very, very valuable for the cows. Otherwise, you're combating constant heat gain from the sun. In terms of helping cows then lose additional body heat, what we found works really well in our region is making sure to have a good ventilation system. And that serves two functions. So the first is air exchange, meaning you're removing the stale, warm, humid air from inside of the barn and bringing in fresh air. So we want to make sure there's enough turnovers of air in the summer. So the target is between 40 and 60 air changes per hour. In addition to ventilation, the, your system also can force fast-moving air over the cows, which helps remove the hot air from them, their surroundings. And so what we're looking for is, especially in the lying area or the stalls, we want to make sure that the air is actually reaching down to the levels where the cows are when they're lying down and not just passing over the top of them. And we're looking for a target of between about two and a half and four and a half miles per hour of fast-moving air, which you can uh, provide supplemental fans over the stalls. So for a lot of farms here in Wisconsin, that is enough. And if you measure respiration rates and core body temperatures, that seems to keep the cows fairly cool. But during a week like this, when it is quite hot, you may also need to provide supplemental soaking, whether this is in the holding pen or over the feed line. Soaking is, has been shown to be extremely effective for lowering core body temperatures restoring dry matter intake and restoring milk production, especially when combined with this fast-moving air. Those two tools work together to enhance this cooling effect. All right, Dr. Jennifer Van Oss of UW-Madison, thank you so much for joining the Midwest Farm Report. It is going to be incredibly hot here in the state of Wisconsin, and it's a very simple concept. If you're hot, chances are your animals are hot, and chances are even greater that they're probably even feeling worse than you. So do everything you can to keep your dairy cattle cool this week, as it can have a profound impact on milk production and so many of the things that we talked about today are completely avoidable with things as simple as shade and water stay cool and for the midwest farm report i'm josh scramlin stay tuned as ag meteorologist Stu muck gives you the latest forecast in just moments right here this is the midwest farm report with pam Youngke. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's a grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for a number of money-saving member benefits on equipment, autos, travel, and insurance. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Mutual insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. If you're interested in a rewarding career with a strong Wisconsin company, Rural Mutual Insurance is looking to add to their growing team of successful employees and agents. Apply online today at ruralmutual.com slash careers. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. 
A man that knows any food tastes better when deep fried and served on a stick. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. It is 520 on a Friday morning. Good morning to you. It has been a hot, hot week here in the state of Wisconsin. And will that heat continue? We bring in ag meteorologist Stu Muck. Stu, this has been uh, quite, uh, no pun intended, the barn burner this week. Uh, Is that going to keep on going or does it cool down at some point? Well, we'll start to cool down a little bit today, Josh, and I really do expect that Saturday and Sunday will be cool and comfortable like normal or even a little cooler than normal. And that all has to do with the rain. If it's not raining in your area, just wait a while. That's going to change. Weather radar indicating some showers and thunderstorms just from the northwest of Madison, east of La Crosse, so just around Boston, extending east right on into the Beaver Dam and Fond du Lac and Oshkosh areas. There's some rain falling there that's added up a bit. I've got some rain amounts already this morning. I've had about 35 hundredths of an inch. My friend John at a quarter, 71 hundredths at the Fond du Lac Airport, and even last night, 61 one hundredths at the Dane County Airport. And, of course, then I have to mention there's a flash flood watch. Southeastern parts of Dodge County, up to a good part of eastern and northern Fond du Lac County, and further west, Green Lake, Marquette, Winnebago, Washera County. There's a flash flood warning around Mauston. In fact, that's in the southern parts of Juneau and Adams County and extends back right through the center of Monroe County. All of those warnings and watches until 7 p.m. tonight. There's a stationary, somewhat stationary front in southern Wisconsin, Mild and moist air riding over that front, causing the rain we're seeing. That may push a little north as a warm front today, but more likely we're going to watch a cool front sweep through by late today and end of the nighttime. There'll be another round of rain if you've been done with it for a while, especially with that cool front moving through, and then we'll dry it out for the weekend. I'll have forecast details right after this. Hey, there goes Pam Yonke in her suburban truck across Wisconsin. Thanks to Blaine's Farm and Fleet, the original, authentic, still family-owned since 1965. And by your dairy farmers of Wisconsin. Dairy farmers of Wisconsin exist to be a tireless advocate, marketer, and promoter for Wisconsin dairy farmers by growing demand for their dairy products. Keep up with Pam on social media, Fabulous Farm Bay on Facebook and Twitter, and at MidwestFarmReport.com. It's Josh Scramlin for the Midwest Farm Report on a Friday morning, just about 523. We're joined by ag meteorologist Stu Muck. So, Stu, you were talking rain. We needed it bad. We've got it. Uh, what about today? What, what can we expect on a Friday? Well, the rain we're seeing, especially just north of the Madison area, will stick around for another couple of hours. There may be a break, but there'll be some redevelopment. So expect, for the most part, a mostly cloudy Friday with some morning showers and storms, some redevelopment again by late in the day. Temps today still warm enough, mid and upper 80s, with southeast and east winds about 5 to 10 becoming west later in the day. Showers and even thunderstorms expected into the night with cloudy skies starting to clear it out though even late tonight down to around 60 west and northwest winds at 5 to 10 and then the mostly sunny skies roll back in for Saturday and Sunday with the sunshine Saturday I expect to be about 76 a nice northwest breeze a good 5 to 15 sunny mid 70s on Sunday too it sounds great I'd have to say Josh on that line from Boston. Uh, including Fond du Lac, Beaver Dam, and up into Oshkosh. Another half to three-quarters of an inch of rain could be seen. La Crosse and Madison may be on the smaller side here, Trace amounts to near a half inch. Nonetheless, we all have some more rain coming yet before today and tonight is over, and then a cooler, drier, really comfortable weekend. 
All right. I like the sound of that more than uh, what we've been having this past week. Stu, thanks so much. We'll talk to you Monday, okay? You bet, Josh. Take care. Yep. Take care. All right. That's ag meteorologist Stu Muck. He joins us every single weekday right around this time. And taking a look at your current temps, Madison right now it's 70 and mostly cloudy. Eau Claire, mostly cloudy and 70, but you can expect some rain. 90% chance around 7 a.m. Lacrosse mostly clear and 72. Around 8 a.m. is when that rain starts. Green Bay, you're 66 and cloudy. It's 70 and cloudy in Wausau, but again, 8 a.m. 40% chance of rain in Wausau. Oshkosh, right now you are rainy and 72. You have got a 90% chance until 7 a.m. Mauston, there's thunderstorms happening right now at 64. Hey, we've got another Century Farm Friday coming up here momentarily. I speak with Carol Jefferson of Big Flats in Adams County, and for the Midwest Farm Report, I'm. Josh Scramlin. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Johnson Tractor asks you to close your eyes. Now, imagine the perfect flow of grain from the field to the bin. Imagine a single rotor that ensures both quality and productivity. And think about an advanced system that optimizes harvest settings on the go. But you don't have to imagine. With features like AFS Harvest Command and Axial Flow Combine from Case IH, and Johnson Tractor always delivers the perfect flow for your operation. Your new Case IH Combine is waiting for you at Johnson Tractor in Judah and Janesville. Johnson Tractor from land to lawn. Keys, doorknob, elevator buttons, car door, steering wheel, grocery cart, food, food, debit card, that card reader thing, keypad, bags, keys, trunk. In one trip to the store, you touch a lot. That's why I wash my hands for 20 seconds every time. I do it to protect my mom from COVID-19, but it helps everyone in Wisconsin. Find out how to protect the people around you at dhs.wisconsin.gov COVID-19. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling, the shine and diamonds, but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days. They may have that traditional feel, that traditional customer service, but they also have the new modern looks of today. Stop in and take a look at their jewelry case. Talk to the staff. Find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create. Go online, goodmansjewelers.com. Congratulations on your recent marriage. Now is the time to update that old policy. When other companies offer you only one solution, Madison's Prairie Land Insurance Agency offers you a wide array of personalized, affordable options. Is your current policy really the best? Talk to Prairie Land Insurance Agency, your local, independent, home and auto insurance agency. For your free insurance review, call 251-3009. Prairie Land Insurance Agency. Our best is the very least we can do. Are you fairly fit but would love a little edge up? Are you entering middle age with a slowing metabolism and weak core? MSculpt may be your answer. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie is proud to be one of the first clinics in the area to offer this new muscle building technology called MSculpt. 
It's approved for building and toning abs, arms, butt, thighs, and calves. MSculpt works. One 30-minute treatment can be equivalent to 20,000 crunches or 20,000 squats. It's safe, effective, and painless with virtually no downtime. Sound too good to be true? Visit Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie to learn more. Let your natural beauty shine through. View our specials at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Battles aren't won solely on the field. That's a common misconception. Battles are won within. Over enemies of fear. Enemies of doubt. In that place where promises are kept. Promises to oneself. This is a physical training event. Promises to one's community. Healthy people move debris out of their house. Promises to one's country. In the heart of every Marine, you'll find a promise. A promise forever kept. A promise of battles won. Since 1995, the Global Positioning System, or GPS, developed by the U.S. military, has been operational for civilian use. Today, the men and women of the Air Force Reserve continue their vital mission. Guiding you safely on your way while protecting the freedoms we all enjoy. The United States Air Force Reserve, guiding and protecting America. Rob, let's talk some Green Bay Packers, though. I mean, we've been talking a lot of other stuff today. I wanted to, you know, kind of distract ourselves for a little bit on some Packers. So, Rob, you sent me the, the article on Forbes.com from my man, Rob Reichel. Beautiful reading. It's some of my favorite reading. Three Green Bay Packers who could become surprise standouts. Please, God, tell me there's a wide receiver on there. There isn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Robbie, who is on that list, though? Well, we, we, we've got Nelly's boy, Rashawn Gary, who's off to a, a really good start in camp. And he, you know, he, he's kind of reshaped his body. He's down 10, 12 pounds. Um, he, he was never heavy anyways, but, but you have to remember it. At Michigan and really throughout his career, uh, Evo, he, he, was, he was a down line when he was a defensive end at Michigan. Um, now, now, Green Bay may kick him inside on some, on some obvious pass rushing downs. He, you know, he, he might rush uh, occasionally and put his hand in the dirt and do it that way. But for the most part now, this guy's a stand-up outside linebacker. And, um, you know, it, it's going to help him to have dropped 10 pounds, I think. He's, he, he just looked like a different guy on the practice field, though. Evo, he's, uh, I mean, he, he's so remarkably athletic. He's strong as a house, um, strong as an ox. He, he's fast. He's, I mean, he, he's got... Whatever we we all saw his testing numbers through, throughout the years and what mm-hmm. he did in Indianapolis before the draft. It's a big reason Brian Gutekunst took him at twelve. The, the tricky part was projecting him to outside linebacker, and it, clearly that didn't go very well for him last year in, in what was largely a learning year. And, and he was he was really fourth on the depth chart when you figure the two Smiths and then Tyler Fackrell. But with with Fackrell gone now, Evo he's going to get far more chances. I, I don't think they want to get both the Smiths, you know, 85 to 90% of the snaps like they did last year. Um, they, they'd love to see that in the 75% range. And 
Gary, I think last year Ebo was at about 23%. Um, I, I, I don't have the story in front of me, but um, I think that's about what his playing time was. And, and you can look for that to at least double, maybe go to the 60% rate. Yeah, well done, Rob. It was, it was 23.46%. Yeah, they're, they're going to get him on the field a lot more than that, Ebo. And, and early indications are he could be a 6 eight sack uh, type of a guy this year. And if the Smiths go, both go back and, and, and have double-digit type of seasons, that's that three outside linebackers, Ebo, that, I mean, good luck finding a better trio than that in the league. Ooh, Rob, get me, get me fired up here, Robbie. Okay, okay, selling the sizzle. All right, Rob, I'm looking at your list here, and it's not, it's not a wide receiver like I was hoping, but Big Bob Tanyan, Robert Tanyan, is he going to be a breakout player this coming up year? Somebody's got to play tight end. I mean, <laughs> here we are, two and a half weeks, Ebo, from the season opener. That's and, crazy. And I don't know that we clearly identify uh, who the starting tight end is on that team. There, there's certainly a lot of bodies, not as many bodies as they have in Chicago, at the position, but they, they, they're, there's clearly a lot of bodies. I mean, Sternberger was set behind, you know, Jake Sternberger, the third-round pick in in 2019, missed some early time in camp due to COVID. Um, he, he was in the, you know, he was in the quarantine process. Yeah, Tanya has taken advantage. Evo, he's again a, a really good athlete. He runs under four six. He, you know, he he showed up at college as a as a quarterback, eventually moved to wide receiver, and the scouts loved him to go play to go play tight end once he hit the NFL. And it's, it's been a two-year learning process for him to kind of get to this point, Evo. Um, he, he flashed here and there. People might remember his 50-yard touchdown catch against the Seahawks yep. a couple of years back. Um, you know, but, but he, he hasn't been able to do it consistently down in, down out. You know, Jimmy Graham was getting all the snaps for the most part at, at tight end, and we can argue all day what, you know, what, what that was worth. Not, but, not um, a lot. Not a lot. And, <laughs> you know, so, so here we go. And, you know, it, 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 they, they've definitely got the bodies, um, you know, with Sternberger, with Tanyan, with the third-round pick, Segura. Um, <laughs> we forget about Mercedes Lewis. He's, he's going to play in obvious rundowns, and he, he's clearly their best blocker in that unit Evo. But um, in terms of a pass catcher right now, I, you know, I, I would, I would think if I had to throw a dollar on somebody that, that Tanyan's going to wind up maybe with the most catches at that position. If you would have asked me in the spring, I would have said Sternberger, but um, the way Tanyan has played this camp and Sternberger falling behind a little bit again, because of COVID, it, it might end up being Bobby Tanyan. And Rob, uh, your take on Bobby Tanyan's man bun. What do you think? Good, good luck, yay or nay? Oh my God, the man bun can never be a good look. People. You know, <laughs> so you know you're, you're not growing one out. I, I'm old school, traditionalist, straight, straight blue suit, right? You know, standard black tuxedo at a <laughs> wedding. I, you know, a crew, a crew cut for the most part. We don't need these man. You buns. never had long hair growing up, Rob? That was not my style, Evo. He takes being called a pig as a compliment because he knows that they're smarter than most dogs and people. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. 535 on the clock. It's Josh Scramlin sitting behind the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk. It's time for the latest installment of Century Farm Friday. Every single Friday here on the Midwest Farm Report, we are going to highlight one of the farm families that are receiving the Century Farm and Home Award from the state of Wisconsin. We're doing this in partnership with the Wisconsin State Fair. This week, we set our sites on central Wisconsin and talk to the Jefferson family, the owner of Jefferson Family Farms. Carol Jefferson's along with me right now. Now, Carol, tell me exactly where your farm is located. Our farm is actually located in Adams County in the town of Big Flat. 
Okay, the town of Big Flats is where the farm is located in Adams County. And then how old exactly is your farm? Uh, my family moved here in the mid-1870s. Mid-1870s. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that we means... waited a little while to put in for the century farm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so even though you're closer to sesquicentennial, you are going to be a century farm this year. Correct. Correct. Okay. All right. I see. Well, hey, better late than never, right? Right. Right. <laughs> so what is the current generation of ownership? I am the fifth generation of ownership. Fifth generation. Okay, so I I, yeah. I I like people to tell me as much as you can. I, I know you don't know every single thing that happened within the family, but if we had to look back, what are the different generations that owned it? Who were who were these people? Well, my first the, the first person to settle was Peter Hendrickson Sr., who who came here from Denmark. Um, there was a community of Danish people that located in the town of Big Flats. I'm not sure why they chose that area, but. And, you know, at that time, farms were your own family. You couldn't go to the grocery store, buy eggs and milk, whatever you needed to live on, you had to grow for yourself. So it was, and as it progressed um, down through the years, then families got to be where they could be more self-sufficient. And if they had extra produce, they could sell it. I grew up on a dairy farm. My dad farmed, and we had milk that we sold. We didn't really, you know, need it to live off of anymore. Farms evolved to servicing other people, so... There's been a variety of stuff down through the years. Those of us in modern agriculture do forget sometimes that even though we're businesses now, it wasn't always necessarily that way. Sometimes it was just a matter of having cows so that you could actually put food on your table just for yourself and nobody else. But, Carol, how much does your family's farming history mean to you? Oh, it's, it means a lot. It, you don't think about that until you're actually out in the field doing something and you realize that my family's worked this ground for almost 140 years. It's kind of crazy when you think about it that way. But time goes on and you don't realize how far time goes. I'm now the generation, the old generation, you know, the the grandparents that we talk about. (laughs) Yeah. And obviously, I don't know your, your family situation, but are there plans for a next generation? I believe right now, John and I are probably the only active farms. I my son lives off the farm, works off the farm, and we have two grandkids who they're too young to decide if they want to farm or not. That opportunity may present itself when they get older, but right now I kind of think John and I will probably be the last active farming generation. So but uh, time only tells. You don't know. Yes. It, yeah. I, 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 we'll talk again another in another five, ten years, and it may be completely different, you know? Um, Correct. But, uh, okay, I'm glad that you mentioned that you guys are still actively farming because that's a distinction I like to make because with the Century and Sesquicentennial Farm, you don't have to be actively farming, but you guys are. So what type of farm are you? Uh, my husband and I, John, we grow corn and soybeans on, on our family home. It's my family homestead. Okay. And John and I live in Arkdale, Wisconsin, which is, is about 12 miles away from where I grew up. So okay. I didn't move too far. <laughs> you just can't get away from the farm, can you? No, you can't. You can't. No, and sometimes that's good and bad because it it is a incredibly difficult business to be in, and that that's why we want to highlight our Wisconsin farm families that have been in it for 100 years plus. Uh, Carol, what is your favorite thing about being a Wisconsin farmer? It, you like I like to be my own boss. We um, and my husband and I work 24 seven side by side, which I know some people don't can't imagine how you can do that, but. <laughs> We're a great team. We work together. We have our roles on the farm. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, yeah, it's just every day is something new. There's always something challenging every day. And you, I don't think you get that in um, some work. Completely. So you, you just mentioned that you and your husband have different roles. So do you mind me asking what, what your guys' roles are on the farm today? Sure. Um, we kind of share everything. He, he's a mechanic, um, and I will be his helper. Uh, I'm in the field spring, fall, and a tractor, uh, tillage and harvest. We share the office duties of the day-to-day, you know, return on investment and bookkeeping and banking and all of that. Um, so we're a group team effort. (laughs) That's the best way to do it. Carol Jefferson of Jefferson Family Farm up in Adams County. As I've said before, we're going to have a Century Farm Friday every single Friday that we can do so. We shine the spotlight on one of the recipients of the Century Farm and Home Award. If you want to hear my full interview and see the full story of the Jefferson family, go to MidwestFarmReport.com. And from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, I'm Josh Scramlin. Wondering where you can hear how milk contracts are doing at this time of day? Wonder no more. The Midwest Farm Report will be back with a market update in just moments. You take pride in the hard work you put into maximizing your soybean yields, but there's something to be said for recognizing an easier way to boost your bushels. Introducing Enlist E3 Soybeans from Dairyland Seed, the most advanced trait technology available in soybeans today, and the easiest way to send tough weeds packing and unleash your beans' full potential. So just how easy are we talking? We're talking the same wide application window you're used to, with improved weed control. We're talking herbicides that land and stay on target. We're talking tolerance to a wide range of herbicides, allowing you to use Enlist Duo or Enlist One herbicide to get weeds out of the way. So Enlist E3 soybeans can thrive just like they were designed to do. We're talking a ready-made system of seed and herbicides designed for one purpose and one purpose only, unprecedented soybean yields. Discover how revolutionary Enlist E3 soybeans are making farmers proud to plant Dairyland Seed at DairylandSeed.com. A man that knows any food tastes better when deep fried and served on a stick. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. We'll take a look at your opening market numbers in just a moment. But first, we have a quick update for you on the Wisconsin Farm Support Program. Round two of applications, they closed this past Monday. And Wisconsin Ag Secretary Randy Romanski told us this yesterday. There were 4,672 applications submitted. Uh, and of that, uh, 3,249 have already been approved at, at closing. They were uh, reviewing them as they went along. Uh, we expect that number to rise, uh, but we don't have a final number yet at this point. 4,762 applicants applied to get their chunk of that $8.4 million that was still left from the initial $50 million of the Wisconsin Farm Support Program. As Secretary Romanski said, not everyone will be approved, but over 3,000 have been approved so far. And now taking a look at your opening markets. September corn is at 344. That's down a quarter. December corn also down a quarter at 358 and a quarter. While beans are in the green, September beans at 939 even. That's up one and three quarters of a cent. And November beans are up two and three quarters at 944 and three quarters. Wheat's in the hole right now. September wheat down three quarters of a cent at 541 and three quarters. And December wheat is down three quarters as well at 550. As for the fluid milk contracts, September milk is up four cents at 1551 and October milk is at 1735 that is unchanged I'm Josh Scramlin this is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke
I-39 Supply, affordable trailer rentals on all trailers, enclosed utility car hauler and dump trailers. Plus I-39 Supply's huge indoor showroom service and parts department. I-39 Supply, trailer service and more. I-39Supply.com. With Johnson Tractor's brand new Case IH online parts store, you can order from your computer or your mobile device. Sign up for an account with Johnson Tractor and get free shipping on your first order. Johnson Tractor's Case IH online parts store is open for business 24-7. 365 days a year. Just log on at johnsontractor.com and click on the online parts store tab. Visit the brand new Case IH online parts store at johnsontractor.com. Johnson Tractor from land to lawn. Hang on to your tractors. Here's another update. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. It has been a busy 2020 for our friends from Focus on Energy and time to catch up with one of them. Focus on Energy, of course, is the program available to our farm families and agribusinesses all across the state in an effort of trying to make sure that you are operating efficiently and getting any of those energy rebates coming back to your farming operation. Remember, details online, focusonenergy.com, focusonenergy.com. Joining us today from Northwest Wisconsin is Kevin Weiler. He is one of the energy advisors with Focus on Energy. You know, Kevin, before we get to our project today, talk to me a little bit about how it's been like conducting business in 2020. You know, you focus on energy advisors are usually right out there in the trenches with our farm families. What's it been like this year? How busy have you been? Uh, Pam, Focus on Energy has been uh, working Throughout the whole pandemic, of course, it's been a challenging year, as everybody knows. Um, Farmers are still doing projects. Um, We were under the Safer at Home um, in early 2020, but we have been released to the fields, and we have been catching those projects that the farmers have been doing throughout the course of 2020. Well, we've got a great project we want to focus in on today, and it involves a Terry farm in uh, northwest Wisconsin, St. Croix County, New Richmond specifically. Tell me about this project, uh, Kevin, and how it all got started when you got involved in the dialogue. Well, this project got started in early 2020. Dennis Mitchell was looking to put in a more energy efficiency grain dryer, and his uh, utility rep, Tim Bartles from Excel, contacted me and said Dennis was looking to do a more efficient grain dryer that was going to save him natural gas. And, you know, we sat down with myself, Dennis, uh, Tim from Excel, and uh, Lola Myers, the grain dryer um, dealer, and sat and had a meeting to go over some pre-approval for a grain dryer to see what incentives were available. And up until this time, that farm had no idea what Focus on Energy could offer them, right? No, Dennis and his partners never worked with Focus on Energy on any projects, and then we discussed it, and we did a pre-approval for the grain dryer and got him a nice incentive check for a more efficient grain dryer. Boy, and I'll tell you, it's not just about the money. Talk about efficiency. Give us a little perspective on this project, Kevin, and uh, the energy it's going to save, because there's a lot of people in the neighborhood should be thanking Terry Farms for making this investment. Dennis did get a nice incentive for the grain dryer, but with the new grain dryer, it's going to save him enough um, energy to power about 18 homes in Wisconsin for an entire year. And it will produce an estimated $250,000 in avoided energy cost over the course of the lifetime of the grain dryer. And it's going to save him about $15,000 per year on his electric bills. 
amazing. Those are some fantastic numbers. And, you know, this year, when we're looking at a pretty good crop for most farms in the state of Wisconsin, the volume of grain that this new system is going to allow Terry Farms to process, that's another really impressive uh, bracket of information. Well, with his old grain dryer, it was going to run about 204 hours a year. With the new grain dryer, it's going to run about 20 more hours per year, but he's going to be able to dry almost 215,000 more bushels per year in the same amount of hours. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's uh, basically a doubling effect. Kevin Weiler is along with us, Energy Advisor with Focus on Energy, talking about a project that happened in uh, New Richmond, St. Croix County, where Terry Farms made the investment of upgrading their energy efficiency as far as the grain dryers are concerned. And this is uh, a, a crop and dairy operation. So I've got to believe you might end up making another trip back up there if uh, Dennis has uh, some ideas on the dairy, too. Right, Kevin? Dennis is always looking to focus on energy now when he does anything at his farm, whether it's dairy or for the crop side of it. Now, these uh, grain dryer efficiency measurements, a relative new uh, offer opportunity through Focus on Energy. I know it's been around uh, better than a year. What kinds of questions do farmers generally have about these projects? Uh, are you still accepting uh, applications for these kinds of projects, even though we're getting closer to the harvest, Kevin? We are still working with the dealers and farmers, and we're still taking applications for new, more energy efficiency grain dryers, whether they're natural gas or LP. LP funding has just been extended through 2022, um, so we're working with both natural gas and LP customers on grain dryers. Is there is there a preference? I mean, do you find farmers leaning one way or the other when it comes to uh, natural gas or, or propane? We're seeing more LP versus um, natural gas, that's just because natural gas is not at a lot of the crop farms that we work with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said, this is a, kind of a new opportunity to work with Focus on Energy on these grain dryers. Are the farmers uh, catching on, shall I say, Kevin? You know, there's so many programs available through Focus on Energy. I always just like to make sure that everybody's paying attention. Fortunately, one of the utility cooperators uh, caught this one, but are we seeing more of a general uptake by farms on what Focus on Energy can do for them? Um, the farmers are always doing the projects, and the, the word is out is focus on energy. You know, we're working with them, the energy advisors that cover the state, you know, their utilities. You know, they're reaching out to us, and we're, you know, helping them with their more energy efficiency projects. How? Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, going forward then. What other areas are you focused in on when it comes to the energy savings and maybe some of those elements that farms aren't aware of? Like I said, we started this conversation by pointing out that your cooperator didn't even know what Focus on Energy could do, but you're saving them thousands and thousands of dollars. What other things do you think are worth repeating, Kevin, when it comes to what Focus on Energy can do for our Wisconsin farm families and agribusinesses? You know, just check us out on our website. Get in contact with your energy advisor. Get in contact with your dealers. We work with the dealers as well as the farmers and see what uh, funding is available to do um, energy efficiency project, whether it's putting a VFD, a grain dryer, lighting, um, irrigation, greenhouses, you know, look towards the energy efficiency side and, you know, see what funds are available.
Now, we were talking about COVID-19 making adjustments in all of our lives. Uh, if I'm interested in getting started with the project, so how? what should I do? Is there something I should do online? Are you still doing face-to-face visits? Are you? How are we kind of working our way through the process, Kevin, in light of COVID-19? We are um, capable of doing site visits. Of course, we're going to be hand sanitizer and we will have masks on and we'll check temperatures before we go out and do visits. Uh, we do have to have a pre-visit um, appointment scheduled in case of uh, contract tracing, but we're able to do site visits and work with the farmers and the dealers. Mm-hmm. And again, we talk uh, this particular conversation about a grain operation, but there's a lot of other incentives out there for our agribusinesses. You know, it's been difficult for everybody, regardless of what part of Wisconsin agriculture you're in. But uh, let us not forget about some of the horticultural lighting incentives that are a part of Focus on Energy, too. Um, Horticulture lighting, we've revamped that in 2020, and we've made it a prescriptive measure, and we have three requirements. It's got to have a five-year warranty. Um, It's got to be on the horticulture lighting list. If not, we can get it to qualify. And, um, you know, reach out to us, and we can help you on your horticulture lighting projects. Yeah, that's really what I, I want to remind people about. It sounds a little intimidating when you think about all the elements of a construction project that involve energy. But that's what people like Kevin Weiler, who's along with us today, do for you. You basically take the paperwork off their hands so long as you're involved in the process early on. Right, Kevin? Get in touch with your energy advisor. We can help you with the paperwork on what is needed to get that equipment to qualify if it's not on a list, but we can definitely work with you to see if it qualifies and get you an incentive on the equipment you're putting in. Well, and that's your arena of expertise, so obviously you know exactly where to look uh, and at what volume to look to find those savings. It's not like the farmer's got to suddenly bone up on everything relative to energy. We are here to help you however you need it on your energy efficiency projects. Boy, don't you love to hear that. Kevin Weiler along with us from Focus on Energy. And again, I want to remind you, we're talking specifically today about Terry Farms up in New Richmond and the fantastic partnership they made with not only Focus on Energy, but their trade allies, Excel Energy, for great savings. Savings that means less stress on that entire electrical line in his community. And like we said, great incentives back in his pocket. If you're thinking about a project, uh, if you are wondering about other incentives, Incentives that may be out there. Contact your energy advisors like Kevin Weiler all across the state of Wisconsin. The best way to start online, focusonenergy.com. That would be a great place to learn a little bit more about the incentives available. Focusonenergy.com, and you can get in touch with an energy advisor uh, all across the state. They'll be happy to safely schedule a visit with you to talk about the project you're looking at. Focus on Energy, bringing you the details today with Kevin Weiler. I'm Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke.